The Brooklyn Vegan Show is a podcast about music brought to you by the music blog and online record store Brooklyn Vegan. Make sure to subscribe to hear all of our upcoming episodes featuring interviews with musicians and more, and find us 24-7 at brooklynvegan.com, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Hey, welcome to the new episode of The Brooklyn Vegan Show. I'm BV editor Andrew Sacker, and today's episode is an interview with an artist that I'm very excited about right now, Ian Shelton. Ian fronts the Power Violence Band Regional Justice Center, and more recently, he's been turning his focus towards his more melodic hardcore band, Military Gun. They just signed to Loma Vista and put out All Roads Lead to the Gun Deluxe, which is an expanded edition of their two EPs from last year. And I actually, this conversation was taped the day after I saw Military Gun play at St. Vitus in Brooklyn. It was an awesome show. It was packed. They were going nuts. It was great. It was with MS Paint and Daisy, who also put great sets on. It was a really fun night all around. And Military Gun have a lot of cool stuff coming up. As we talk about in the conversation, Military Gun makes hardcore that's not afraid to incorporate melody or take influence from outside of the genre. It's a very like-minded approach to bands like Fiddlehead, Angel Dust, Drug Church, Turnstile, all bands pretty much that Military Gun are run in similar circles with. And Um, Many of those bands they've worked with very closely and Ian talks a lot about that and just like sort of about the mentality that brings these bands together and why this moment for hardcore is so exciting, not just because it's attracting more popularity, but also just on a creative artistic level. It was a real treat to pick Ian's brain on all this stuff and uh, I hope you like our conversation. Here it is. Uh, Hey Ian, uh, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Pretty good. I saw you guys last night at St. Vitus, um, so my ears are ringing right now. That's good. That's good. Did you enjoy the show? Yeah, it was it was killer. Um, it was actually my first military gun show, and I feel like I picked a good one. I mean, sold out. People going nuts. Like you guys were on fire. It was really really fun. Thank you. It was it was it was really fun. It it was one of those shows though where um, the first song hits and then kind of people destroy your things and you're like kind of working the rest of the set backwards where you're like, all right, how do we actually have all of our guitars and and the mic and everything work um, after everyone just kind of pillaged us on, on track one, you know? Yeah, but it was, mic- I mean, incredible time. Yeah. Your mic went out on the first song, right? It was like first, I said, I think I literally went, ain't no, and then it was gone because some kid ripped the the line out of, and I didn't. I just thought that um, you know we do sound checks, but you you never know if if it's gonna sound that way. So I just thought they just. I just thought I didn't have a monitor, so I didn't. Re, I didn't even realize until the bridge of the song that I didn't have a mic, which I thought was a little embarrassing. But um, but we survived. No, but if it makes you feel any better, like I was in the crowd and I was like, hmm, vocals are a little low. But with everyone shouting along and like you projecting the way you were, I didn't even it was like I start. It only hit me like how I was like, wait a minute, no, his mic must have went out. Yeah, in um, so- in my high school band, uh, I used to, you know, we weren't like a screamo band, but you know, in, in the screamo genre, people don't use mics a lot. Mm-hmm. And I never used a mic, um, and I played bass and I just did some backup vocals, and everyone was like, I can hear you as well as the. PA, I just, I don't know why. I think that I just have a, a voice that kind of cuts. Uh, I watched some videos where the mic was out and I was like, I can hear myself on this video, which is pretty bizarre. Yeah, it's a weird thing. It was impressive. I mean, that's like what uh, it's like what opera singers do, right? Opera singers don't use mics, I think. <laughs> I would not compare myself to the prowess <laughs> of, a, of an opera singer personally. Yeah. Um, also... Just great bill all around last night. I mean, Daisy and MS Paint, like, killer. I mean, this this whole tour was that the my my goal for it, you know, was to use any um, attention that I built in the world and, and try to pass that on to to artists that I think are uh, just as deserving. And and Daisy and MS Paint are those two bands more than anyone of, of just like, holy shit, like. MS Paint is one of the most original bands to ever come. And and Daisy is just so incredible. And and, and beyond that, you know, we had uh, Pony opening earlier in this tour and we have Public Opinion joining us after Daisy leaves. And those are all, they're just bands that I believe in and, and really want to um, 
spread the gospel of and and it's it's cool that we get the chance and last night was like the proof of the model that it's like yeah we can do a show and people will care and check out the opening bands yeah for sure and i also feel like it's cool how you know it's kind of like a all in the family kind of thing like you have the track with daisy you have the track with ms paint on the new deluxe edition it's all like collaborators and stuff yeah, I also produced the um, public opinion EP that that's out currently, and um, yeah, I just I really like getting in the weeds with everybody who I I believe in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I love that public opinion EP. Um, how did you come to work with them? Uh, the the singer Kevin, and who's also like the main songwriter, he he's one of my best friends. You know, he's someone who I bounce off a lot of my ideas. You know, like all the earliest military gun demos were sent directly to him after they they were finished, and um, because he plays such a big part in my creativity, I wanted to help in any way I could with uh, achieving what uh, what he was going for. Awesome. Um, so let's talk about military gun signing to Loma Vista. What, uh, what attracted you to that label? I mean, I assume you must've been getting multiple offers. Yeah. Loma to me just was the, the, the clear fit. They seem to view music the same way that I do where, you know, like, um, I listen to different things every day and, and, and that seems to be the way the label works is where, there's Sampa the Great and there's Ghost and there's Denzel Curry, Corn um, even. And it's like that diversity is, uh, is important in ingesting music to me. So I felt like being on a label that was diverse was ultimately the, the best fit. Um, because again, like, you know, I feel like with, with like hardcore and punk music, putting brands above anything else is kind of important. You know, you want to be with triple B, you want to be with um, any of these like really specific brands within hardcore to get behind you. And I kind of didn't want um, anything that associated us with one style or one vibe. And so I I really wanted to go somewhere that had, you know, that was multifaceted and, and really that's what, what Loma provided as well as, you know, being awesome at, showing artists to the world and and that's the ultimate goal is to be partnered up with somebody who knows how to spread music yeah i mean that makes a lot of sense because you know i feel like military gun obviously roots in hardcore undeniable but just from what i've heard it already feels like you're not really a band to like put yourself in a box or put a limit on it and like it you know it must be kind of great to put yourself in a position where you're like hey like if we do something way different than hardcore like you know, just expect the unexpected kind of thing. The big thing is just following whatever the interest is on the day, you know, whatever you're most passionate about on a day is what is the, the like supreme idea. So uh, whether or not like a song that sounds completely out of pocket is, is going to like make it to the public is, is, is a question. But if whatever that interest is on that day, I'm going to make the song that sounds that way. And if it, if it's cool, you know, hopefully we'll eventually release it. So the, um, the goal changes every day. And, and uh, ultimately it's just to be like, make music I'm passionate about not to, to be like, Oh, we should sound like X, Y, or Z. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the goal. And that's the songs we just released are the, the proof of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of those, the like the, I guess the bonus tracks, if that's what they're called on the new deluxe edition are like, you See, know, like, I want to call it all roads lead to the gun three as far as, you know, like okay. it's, it's just another EP in the spirit of the other two. Um, but, you know, like, like the, the way that it's rolled out, you know, it's, it's in this like deluxe packaging. So it, they feel like bonus tracks, but to me, it's like just a, a wholly new EP tacked on to the end of the other two EPs. That makes sense. I also kind of like that, you know, it's now all combined in like what looks like a full length, right? Cause I don't know, 10 years from now, you can just be like, oh yeah, all, all roads lead to the gun. That was a great record. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, it's like Fugazi thirteen songs was right. was EPs and and it, but but originally in in all roads lead to the gun original form was a twelve song LP, and uh, we recorded that, and then we ended up feeling like you know what, maybe we could lose some of these songs and kind of do this different hybrid release strategy because, you know, like it was still the pandemic and we just didn't know what the future was. And and it seemed kind of crazy to just be like, oh, let's just drop all of our music at once and then have nothing for a long time. And then who knows when touring is going to come back. And so we kind of held it, um, you know, held back different different elements to to wait for the world to return. And I think it, it ended up working really well because we were able to promote music across like a year instead of it being like three months for an album rollout. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm really proud of what we've achieved with, with those EPs and then now culminating them into somewhat of an album, even though it's not what the original album's intention was. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. Are those... um those tracks that were cut like do they exist are they something you might revisit they're on a hard drive one of them instrumentally i would revisit the other one was just like there was four songs two of them were re-recordings one was a a new love for progressive society and and dislocate me um which just like didn't feel totally vital and necessary that we had to release the re-release those songs and then the other two one one i could see myself like playing with again I would not release the the versions of either song that currently exist personally, <laughs> but um, but maybe someday that there will be elements that show up in other songs. Right, right. So just on that topic of like, kind of like you know, just following wherever the inspiration strikes. I mean, before Military Gun, you were already kind of like popping off with Regional Justice Center. So tell me a little bit about like, you know forming military gun and like wanting this different outlet than like a power violence band it early on you know like the the big thing with regional justice center is i remember telling my band member in rjc alex i was was like my goal for this band is to shake away the shyness that i have i i I felt like i i really at a certain point in my life kind of uh, didn't feel comfortable expressing myself like as myself. I was a drummer in other people's bands and um, kind of lost a lot of my vulnerable vulnerability and like ability to go in front of an audience as, as me and not just like a member of a band. And uh, I mean, it really was a, an expressed goal from show one of RJC to be like I want to eventually do a band that's you know me singing and um you know that that's me doing something and that's trying something and putting myself out there and basically when the pandemic hit and the the seas parted where it was like I had already had most of the regional justice center uh, crime and punishment LP written and you know it was, I had nothing but time it was just like okay well now it's time for me to try it's time for me to do something that I have to really um, put myself out there for. And, and I worked on it tirelessly every day and I was recording covers and trying to figure, figure out how to sing and doing a terrible job of it. And, um, you know, eventually I, I arrived at what I arrived at, but it, it was, uh, you know, for the segue to RJC to, to military gun was really just like, the the desire to express myself differently and I'd always felt it I'd always felt like I wanted to do that but I just didn't know how so you feel like military gun maybe is almost what you always had been working towards what well, yeah well, I mean that the whole thing feels like like uh not to be corny but like to me like it feels like like a cosmic thing that that had to happen where you know the I wrote, kept talking with the bass player of RJC, uh, Steph, and I was just like, all right, I'm going to try to do something vocally. And it, I sang in that voice, and it's it's just what came out. It wasn't premeditated. There was no lyrics even written. It was just like, here's what I'm I'm trying. 
and that was what came out. And then um, I just kept going down that path. And it was like the lack of premeditation just made it feel like I was guided towards something almost where it was just like, it just happened. And, uh, and that's still kind of more or less how it feels where every new idea or every some, you know, every new song, I'm like, where did this come from? Like, I, obviously I'm, I'm inspired by what I'm inspired by on that day. And I put the conscious effort into it, but at the end of, at the end of it, I'm, I always am surprised that it exists, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can definitely relate to that on multiple levels. Like I, it's, it's so interesting to me because like, I'll, you know, um, I feel like when I talk to bands, ask questions about songwriting and stuff. And one of the things I always kind of wonder is like, do you ever hear a song you wrote like 20 years later and you're just like, what was I even thinking? Like, where did that come from? So it's kind of fascinating to hear that you were saying that like the next day. Yeah. I mean, I remember I, uh, the, the, the first day that I wrote a military gun song, I went back to the practice space and I wrote a second military gun song. And I literally was going, what style of music is this? Obviously it's, it's, a, it's like rooted in punk and hardcore and, and whatever else, but it's actually, it was a song that never got released, but I was like, I don't even know like this hybrid of hard rock and noise rock and and hardcore or whatever the hell that song was. I was just like, I don't even know what genre this is. And I and I was like, I wonder if anyone will ever like this. And and I just had no clue what it was. And that was the most exciting thing to me. And I don't know still to this day what the individual pieces came from, you know? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the most exciting stuff is when you're like, how do I even categorize this? It's like, I always rather hear that than like, oh yeah, like our whole thing is like, we were trying to be specifically this and that's what we did. There's no worse um, insult to me than people using the term worship. You know, like if someone describes a band as as blank worship, I'm like, oh, so you're saying that they're pointless, like their whole thing is stupid and that that you just don't think it should exist and 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 if i viewed myself as as a worship artist i would view my art as you know not art it would just be a cover song uh and so yeah i, I don't know that 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 idea that it something is just something else repackaged is uh i think insulting to everybody involved it's insulting to the listener it's insulting to the artist uh and you hope for better you know well, how do you feel like when an artist says it about themselves? I think that they're saying that their art is pointless. It's it, it worship, you know, like, I don't know, like, it, it doesn't seem like they're communing with the same thing that I'm trying to commune with. You know, it's like, if you're just trying to, um, to just uh, rebrand someone else's material, I don't understand the drive for, for, for your thing. And I don't understand why I should listen to it yeah i mean i i basically feel the same way like i feel like at the end of the day like that the further away you get from any music right it's like i think sad but true you just kind of start to remember like the few artists who really made it their own pushed it forward like and so it's like if what you're doing is basically recreating something like i feel like you're just setting yourself up to kind of just be like forgotten about because like in 20 years and someone's like oh show me something from this style of music they're not going to show the copy version no no not at all and it just yeah i think it just makes you so you're going to be relegated to the back pages of history at best if not even you might not even make the cut <laughs> yeah um yeah so like with uh with military gun um i mean again like you said like it's obviously rooted in punk and hardcore but it's obviously also not just that. I mean, I like don't pick up the phone. Like, I feel like that could be a jingle pop song. Like, you know, uh, had you sung it prettier and that's not a backhanded thing. Just like, I think it's <laughs> cool how it's not sung pretty, you know, cause it makes it, but it's like, there's obviously a lot going on. And then, like we said, like you're on this multi-genre label. Um, I have to ask just with like, I mean, we know, right. Like hardcore is having a moment right now. Like it's a thing, like look at turnstile and like, you know, what they've done and the way that they've been able to sort of separate from hardcore, but also still be it. Like, do you kind of think about, you know, like how far can I take this? Like when, if you, I don't know if, if you 
not to compare everything to them, but because they're kind of like the thing right now. But do you like look at like, oh, maybe we could take this like, you know, way beyond the hardcore niche? Like, is that something that you have goals with or? I, I, my main goal is to share the music with as many people as I can. And I mean, obviously that goes in the way of talking about this concept of bigness or, you know, like success, but ultimately it's like more so just about the the songs, you know, like I think at the end of the day, my job is to create the music and share in something with the people who choose to like it. And then the concern of a record label is to then try to elevate that to the next level. I think that this, this turnstile moment was predicated on so many previous moments. You know, we had ceremony shaking the tree first, you know, as far as like a prominent uh, hardcore punk band, then changing their sound and showing that like maybe hardcore um, is more than just, sonics uh and that it could could mean something more and something different uh and then you know like i think a huge moment that pushed everything forward was justice going from tui into angel dust and taking that moment of like just driving music but putting more melodic yet still yelled still uh energetic still aggressive music and putting it in front of like a larger audience and that, that larger audience as, as far as the turnstile scale wasn't there yet. But I think all like those two artists like pushed the art form forward, but in also a way pushed it back to what the original roots of the genre are, which is that every band's supposed to sound different. And like, as far as the original tradition, I truly believe, like, that's what was happening in the 80s with hardcore was the Minutemen, Husker Du, Bad Brains. Like, those three bands could not sound more different, yet they're a part of the same tradition of, of hardcore. And, you know, like, a band like Husker Du introduced chorus pedals and playing an acoustic guitar, um... Bad Brains was doing reggae songs like Minutemen had slap like funk bass parts. And uh, I think, I think even though we're pushing forward, it's still, I think we're actually so much more going towards the original intent of the genre instead of like uh, this like traditional uh, formulaic thing that I think was really happening very heavily pre pandemic. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Um I was, as you were talking, my, I went straight to the Minutemen in my head and then you said it and I was like, yep, 100%. Like, hardcore was not always just like 40 bands that sound like Minor Threat. And it was also more diverse, you know, like, like, and I think we're also having that moment where it's not just a bunch of, uh, you know, white guy bands in the, in the mainstream. Like, I think something that's happening right now is that something truly equitable is being made. And, you know, the people have decided what's interesting. You know, I think some people get hung up on the concept of like, oh, why is this band more successful than this band? Which a lot of people are actually saying, why is this band more successful than my band? Uh, But like, it's because they're more interesting. That's it. You know, like, um, and, and, and we're in a great moment where hardcore actually has personality. Um. And that's what's important. And I think that that personality is also something that was rooted within the original roots of the genre, uh, but somehow forsaken for the sake of, I think, uh, comfort and, and boredom and uh, just making something that, that everyone could make because it was just a formula. Whereas right now the formula is not clear and therefore the true artists are coming to the forefront because uh, they're making something interesting. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it's so fascinating right now how many like different styles of music kind of count as hardcore. Like even like we're, you know, the public opinion EP, to me, like it's hardcore, but it sounds like the hives, you know? Yeah. I mean, a very conscious, you know, thing. A very interesting thing was I was helping um, with some demos for an earlier public opinion release. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like the hives. And Kevin, the singer, was like, 
Oh, I, I've never listened to the hive. So obviously, you know, he probably knew, hate to say I told you so, but it wasn't even in the conscious uh, goal. You know, I think it was, it was going for something much uh, more rooted earlier, but then that, that translation process ends up making it sound like the hives. And since then I've, you know, I've been like, all right, listen to this song, listen to that song. And, you know, we, we share music back and forth with, with it and, and uh, try to figure out like, oh, this is something that we could, you know, take inspiration from for this project. That's awesome. And yeah, it's funny how like, you know, one thing might sound like another thing, but it's totally unintentional and more just because of shared influences. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that that's like, it's so talking about worship and like all of these different things. If you truly wanted to sound like a band, you should only listen to their influence and not listen to that band. And then you'll get closer to the source material that you actually want to be. Because if you sound, uh, if you try to sound like the the band itself, you're going to sound like the generation removed from it instead of sounding like, you know, you're going for their original influence. I don't know if that makes sense. Totally. I, I, and I think if you listen to your favorite band, favorite band's influences, and then you take influence from all their influences, you're going to reinterpret it in a way that, that your favorite band didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully be original instead of worship. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you were talking about like, you know, angel dust and ceremony and, uh, so, you know, I'm a music writer. I, I look for trends, some nerdy shit that I do. Uh, I've definitely, I've been like, oh, it's like kind of cool how we got this, like Justice did Angel Dust, Ian did Military Gun. And then like, uh, I'm forgetting the singer's name from Have Heart and Fiddlehead. But, Pat Flynn. Um, yeah, Pat Flynn. And I was like, I'm seeing like this kind of thing happening where you get these like hardcore vocalists and then there's this new, and it's almost like, it's honestly, it's, it's kind of the minor threat to Fugazi thing too. And like, I'm wondering like, do you feel a kinship with those artists? Is it just coincidence? Or are you looking around and being like, Hey, like we're all kind of doing something similar. This is cool. Well, I mean, uh, the kinship is very real and, and I try to bring it up in honestly every interview I do because I owe so much to those guys. And I, and you know, like Pat Flynn, uh, him and I shared this this same um, life experience with with incarceration within our families, and uh, he found out about what Regional Justice Center was about, and was a really early supporter of that band. And then turn turn that around years later, he was also probably one of the first Military Gun fans. He made a you know a main post on his Instagram being like this is the real shit, or I don't know what the post was, but he was like, this is awesome. You should listen to this. Uh, Justice, you know, Justice is, um, he changed my life, uh, like straight up. He, he, he took a chance on me um, at a time where nobody knew me. Uh, I, I cold emailed the Angel Dust uh, email and I said, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a music video director. Um, I live in Seattle. You're coming here on tour. You're coming here for uh, Rainfest. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, you're coming here on tour. Um, I would love to make a music video for you if you're interested. Um, I'll do it for free. You know, I just, I'm just such a huge fan of the band. And Justice responded to me, gave me his phone number. We texted. It, it was like, and then it was like, okay, this video is not going to happen. I then meet Justice in person. And he's like, you think you could make a music video for us? And I was like, uh, yeah, I could definitely make a music video for you. And then we made the, the Angel Dust Headstone music video together. And that was purely Justice taking a chance on me. I was a stranger to him. And I think that Justice is someone who not only takes risks creatively, but takes risks on um, really being an ear to the ground and 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 looking around constantly and seeing who's talented and paying attention to who's creating things and helping them and nurturing talent, you know, like, uh, justice is, is not necessarily like an A and R, but it, it, but almost feels like an A and R for just like raising people's voices, you know? And, um, and, and I, I not only take so much inspiration creatively from justice, but uh, I don't think I would be anywhere close to where I am without, that moment of him taking a chance on me and helping me get to the next level 
in, in making art with, with people. That's amazing. And yeah, I mean, and you clearly do the same thing with like always having your ear to the ground. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's not even A&R. It's just like when you're a music lover, you just do that stuff naturally. It's, yeah. And, and when you're a fan of real shit, I mean, like, I think that, that guys like Justice, Pat, Patrick Kinland, you know, another person who took a really big chance on me and, and invited me into self-defense family a long time ago. Um, there are people that are just like, oh, I can tell when something's fake and this is not. Um, and I try to have that same thing. And, you know, like when I heard Hardwire by uh, MS Paint the first time, I said, holy shit. It was that moment of like, this is the real shit. This is, this is genuine. This is a hit song. It's saying something. It's, it's doing everything. And, and I just had to be involved with those people from the moment I heard that song. Um, and I think that, that all of those people I mentioned do that same thing where they're like, they, they sniff it out and they, they chase it. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, you mentioned Patrick Hinlan. Like, first of all, I mean, from what I can tell that guy's bullshit radar is on point. And secondly, like, yeah, I just feel like I'm so impressed. I'm like, you like front two bands have a weekly podcast and you just like know exactly what's happening in hardcore and you know, all the cool new bands. And it's just like, yeah, he just seemed so just like in it and all about it. It's just, I mean, I think that we're all just on this pursuit, you know, and, and we actually love this and, um, and it's a great time to love this. It's, it's the easiest time to love this. Probably. I think back to, years and years ago and i was always so frustrated with what was going on i felt like like i was like oh my god this this shit's the fake shit like to me the fake shit was winning at a certain point and now i i i really could not point to a big artist and and say that they're that they're fake i i think that that the real shit is just winning right now and and i hope it stays that way as long as long as it can unfortunately i don't think it'll stay that way forever but um, but I hope it stays as long as it can. Yeah, no, me too. And I, I, I mean, there's always so many factors for why any of this stuff is happening, but it really does feel like we're at a time where when the real shit does win, people are happy for it. And that wasn't always the case. You know, like, I mean, look at something like Jawbreaker goes to a major and their fans are like, I don't like you anymore. Like, we're not seeing that happen now. And I think that's, I think that's helping too. But yeah, I think I think all those moments of acknowledging the failure of the audience participation, um, like that, you know, we we have Husker Du signing with the major, and then years, then you have the '90s, the, their moment with the major, and then that leads to, you know, this this moment now where a band like Turnstile is is on a major label, and people don't bat an eye. Angel Dust was on the major label. And nobody batted an eye. You know, it was like, um, I think people understand that just helping artists reach as many people as possible is is the cool thing. We want people to love this. It's not about gatekeeping. It's not about um, this obscurity, that this pretentious obscurity for no reason. Like, that's why is that even interesting to anybody? Why is being obscure a good thing? Like, does that not mean that you're failing at connecting with people? And, and this whole thing is about connecting with people. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I had that instilled in me, like at a very young age, right? Like you were supposed to hate bands if they got too popular. And I feel like it, like it took work to shed that, you know, like I, I imagine growing up in punk, like you must've been spoon fed that same type of mentality. Oh, easy. yeah. I mean, I, I came from, Power violence, which is like the most uselessly pretentious genre possible. It's like there's no genre where there's worse songs, but people feel more entitled and proud about it. You know, it, it, whereas like literally, you know, I think a band like Magruder Grind, a band like Nails, which like neither of which are like in quotes power violence bands, but people spend so much of their life trying to derail their success just because they're popular. And it's like, no, those records are popular because they're really fucking good. And, um, and it, it, I think when you factor in the fact that something's really good is why it's popular, it makes it so people who don't have the ability to make something really good, they resent it. And um, I think now that that's become transparent to people that hating 
is transparently just like the inability to create. And so it's like, oh, why would we care what haters have to say? You see what turnstile haters are saying and you're like, oh, you're just like an old guy who's played in like a, a stepped on like sixth generation New York hardcore band. Like who gives a shit what you have to say? Yeah, no, for sure. And it's like, it's it's like, it's such a great time too because like not only are there great bands winning and people really liking them, but it's like, like the interest is there, like they're, the success is a possibility, but then also the creativity is like at an all time high. Like it's like, even if you sh- totally took away like all the commercial aspects and record labels and ticket sales and all that, like bands are creating and innovating and doing like within hardcore, I'm feel like I'm hearing more musical diversity now than I have in such a long time. And people are praising creativity when turnstile like, was like, we have blood orange on our record and some of our songs aren't even punk. People are like, that's cool. Well, that's what's this moment is not currently generated by the concept of chasing success. And that's what's special about it. If it was about diversifying sounds for the sake of marketing, then then it, it collapses. You know, like I think you could look at our record and the way that it devolves into something more melodic from track one to track twelve. And uh the the I can't stand busy people isn't like a safe song. It's 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 completely different. And it was completely different because I wanted to hear their, this other band that I love's voice on my song. You know, it had nothing to do with like, oh, and then I think because I play an acoustic guitar, it equals dollar sign. You know, like, it's like, no, I just love playing the acoustic guitar. And, and same with Angel Dust having an acoustic guitar as a part of their live performance for a long time as well was like, that was not a safe move. That wasn't a move that was generated to hopefully make money. Justice loves the acoustic guitar like nothing else, you know, like, like that was why that happened. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I think everyone's just really um, influenced by each other and, and, and excited to create something different at all times. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that really, stood out to me. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but last year when Regional Justice Center's record came out, you made Brooklyn Vegan a list of music that influenced it and the Beatles were on it. And I was like, that's so sick. Cause like what power violence bands are repping the Beatles as an influence? Like I was like, I, I like what this guy is on. Like this is, <laughs> this is exciting. Well, I mean the, the Beatles, I, I didn't get into the Beatles until my like almost mid twenties. It was one of those things where I was too punk. You know, I was like, I, I, for some reason was like, oh yeah, they're not that special. And I just didn't know. And I think that's anytime someone uh, is a Beatles hater, I'm like, oh, I get it. You just don't know, you know, like, uh, and I actually had a friend who's, who's really influential to me um, and taught me a lot about drumming. And uh, he actually, his name's Aaron O'Neill and he played in, uh, Lights Out and Devotion was the original drummer of Super Crush, like filled in for like countless bands, filled in for Ceremony, just recently on a week's notice, like filled in for Always. Um, but he just really influential to me. And he texted me one day and he just said, hey, man, it's time for you to get into the Beatles. Here's where you're going to start. And that ch- literally changed my life. It made me obsessed with production. It made me obsessed with songwriting in a way that I didn't um, think about before. And, uh, and yeah, I don't know when, when I started regional justice center, you know, like it was, uh, a very conscious influence to, to try to, you know, actually find a, a genuine, sincere way to integrate and influence. And a lot of the times it was in the fact that Ringo's drum parts can be incredibly heavy, but you don't realize it. And so, you know, on crime and punishment, the, the final song and punishment do 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 that's from something by by the beatles and and i heard that under the it's actually a layered drum part and i was like holy shit that drum part's so heavy and uh and that's where it came from you know and it was like it, it could, because it was a genuine i said this is heavy i should take this and put it in a hardcore song 
And it's, it's all about trying to find those moments of like influence with that, where it's like you actually view the influence through a completely new light. Yeah, that's so sick. And yeah, like, can we just talk about how dumb it is that people say Ringo's not a good drummer? Is do, people say George isn't a good guitar player either? It's like, what are you talking about? As someone who's not a good guitar player myself, I can tell you, uh, very good guitar player. And Ringo is, I mean, one of the most creative drummers of all time. It's, I so interesting. I, I still, I've I've listened to every record so many times, and I still find new things to appreciate. And I rewatch Get Back like every couple months now and um it's i don't know yeah there's something new to appreciate it every every listen yeah i mean you know like i've heard all the bands with drummers that are like you know drum virtuosos and i've never heard a single drum fill like what ringo does in a day in a life no no nothing it's um it's unparalleled yeah. And yeah, I mean, you bring up Get Back. Get Back is so cool. Like, especially like, I think for anyone who's ever been in a band, like Get Back is just like what everyone and their friends do at band practice, except it's the Beatles. Yeah. And you realize, you know, resentment and <laughs> all these things that come with um, starting a band. Uh, it, it's it's universal. It's just like human relation. I think about it all the time. Anytime I'm like frustrated or or pissed off, I'm like, this should be fun. <laughs> like, why am I upset with somebody or why am I like bummed about circumstances? This is self-elected. But then you're like, no, it's, it's literally the experience of, of surrounding yourself with a group of people. It's just how group dynamics work. It's how creativity works. It's, uh, it's an inherent part of the whole thing. And it makes you feel less crazy about it. Yeah. Like if it could happen to the Beatles, then yeah, I guess it could just happen to anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, so just like uh, going back to this topic of, you know, like sort of pushing yourself forward, no limits. What's uh, what's kind of next for like Military Gun? What kind of stuff are you working on now? Uh, I've been working on. So th- the big thing with this, this uh, I'll call it like this first era of the band that that's kind of like creatively has come to a close like behind closed doors you know from first demo to the end of what's going to be our actual proper first lp was really one creative moment that happened from the beginning of the pandemic to when we started touring by the time we started touring i had already fully demoed um a 12 song lp and uh you know we've we actually recorded that LP in January and it's been done for some time. And, you know, it's been about paving the way to properly get those songs out. But, you know, there's songs that are on the LP that were played at the session for all roads lead to the gun. And then, you know, two months later I was, you know, making demos for almost the entire record. And so, you know, it's it's this constant expansion, and and the the new songs we just put out with like the all roads lead to the gun like three section. You know, those were written at the same time as the LP, and um, it it's all been one like period of creative vomit. And so that this like next LP is just that continual expansion into what I've been trying to do. And the big difference, I think, with everything that's been happening is that I just am so dedicated to learning and trying to get better and having my peers push me, you know, uh, into being like, you know, oh, you should sing more melodically or you should try this or try that. And uh, and taking those to heart and really trying to expand and get better, just like expand my my toolbox. And the the next thing is really, I think, just like the culmination of all of the experimentation and all of the desire to get better at uh, the goal of songwriting. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I can't wait to share it with people. I've never worked harder on something, even though everything is, is like pretty vomited out uh, very quickly, you know, like from, you know, it's been almost three years since, since I had the first demo for the project. 
And, you know, now that it'll come out next year, uh, that'll be the, you know, hands down the longest I've ever worked on a record. That's awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Hopefully soon. Uh, Hopefully soon. Yeah. Hope so. Well, what were, uh, like, what were some other sort of musical influences you think you're channeling on the newer stuff? It's, it's really all the same, same stuff. I mean, honestly, I think, um, less of a shunning towards mainstream rock and, and like acknowledging what's classic for a reason has been a, a kind of a theme of the entire band, you know, of like embracing traditional rock, you know, like from, from the very beginning of, of demo one to, to now is like, you know, how rationalizing my love for born against and the red hot chili peppers, you know, <laughs> like it's uh and then you just find new pockets to 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 love, whether it be an obscure one or or a mainstream one, and kind of not no longer discerning the two of just being like, oh, what what is a great record, you know? Um, I I haven't been thinking about the new LP because we've been promoting this all roads lead to the gun thing, so like I don't have my canned answers as far as like what I, I haven't like had the time to unpack the. Um, everything that I did. And it was honestly done over such a long period of time that it's like, I'm going to really have to wrangle up all of the influences, you know, like one song was like, so influenced by sway by the Rolling Stones. It sounds nothing like sway from the Rolling Stones. But to me, I'm like, that was what I was going for. And I, I wrote it in open G and it was my first time experimenting with alternate tunings because that's what the Rolling Stones did. And, you know, just like, uh, running, you know, what more competent musicians have done through my incompetent hands, I think is, is a great result. And, uh, and, and that, that's been everything I've tried to do. And, and, you know, and it, it was tenfold on the LP. Nice. What are some other like super classic famous bands that you felt like you hated as a kid and then later learned to love? A surprising one would be Nirvana. Really? I, uh, so I, when I was 12, I moved to Washington state to a town t- called Enumclaw, you know, and the, my, my stepdad was a big hater of Nirvana and, uh, and I had that some sort of like dislike due to that. And then living in Seattle or probably living anywhere, it was just radio rock to me, you know, like, like Nirvana was always on the radio with by the time i finally first turned on nevermind on my own there wasn't a single song i had not heard on the radio um and it just was this weird thing where i think i was just i was street punk already you know i was like just rejecting anything that was mainstream at the time and so i just wasn't allowing it in uh which was stupid, but also I'm really grateful for, because the the same thing that happened with the Beatles also happened, you know, in my late teens, my early twenties, where I was like, you know what, I'm going to get into Nirvana now. So, which means as like having a developed brain, I'm hearing those records and admiring the songwriting and the production and all these things that you don't admire as a teenager. Um, and so I think I was, you know, processing it as more of an adult. I, I took more, away from it uh rolling stones definitely i mean that's a much more recent obsession i'm not really into the bluesy stuff but uh i mean hits upon hits way too many records to sort through and and i'm trying my best to to get there um i don't know a lot of a lot of 60s rock honestly i mean it's just like i love gotta buy voices and then trying to unpack more and more of of the influences, you know, like, like a song, like stuck in a spin, uh, from all roads to the gun. Like that was me trying to do eight miles high by the birds because I was like, Oh, I want to do a song that has like a really chaotic, um, like discordant, weird intro, but then like gives way to something beautiful. And, um, and that, that's, you know, obviously it sounds absolutely nothing like the birds, um, but that was like the goal. That was the jumping off point for that song was to go, you know, from this discord thing to something really melodic. 
Yeah, no, that's that's killer. I mean, that's such an awesome song. Um, yeah, I feel you on the Stones too. Like uh, sometimes the bluesy stuff feels a little dated to me, but then they'll write like a totally brilliant song, like "Give Me Shelter" or something. And I think it's I'm, so. Funny. I'm a ballad man myself. Like I, yeah. I cannot believe a ballad. So songs like like Sway. I mean, I'm just so floored with that song. I I. I study it so often and just listen to it and be like, holy shit, like how you can pack so much emotion into a vocal and, and, you know, like I don't even, I never read lyric sheets. And so oftentimes I actually have no clue what any of these songs are about. And I'm literally just going on the emotional value of, of the notes or like what I'm misinterpreting or what I'm correctly interpreting or whatever. And it's just like, it hits you so hard. And that's, that's what you want more than anything as a songwriter. I think like, I don't want any one piece to be the the reason that something matters. It has to be the culmination. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I love, I love when Mick tries to sing pretty cause like he kind of can't. So it's kind of like that punk rock thing like that you were talking about. Like it's so awesome because he's like not really a crooner, but he'll try in his weird talk singing Mick Jagger way. Yeah. And that it's, it's just you run through you run anything through the filter of like incompetent hands and it's gonna be entirely new and and i I think i mean that's just the tradition of of rock music i think in general um it's not about being a virtuoso it's about tone it's about feeling yeah totally so another thing i wanted to ask about is um so you you would uh co-produce that new ms paint song with taylor young um and Taylor also did the RJC record. Uh Taylor's and like, military gun. And military, okay. And military gun. Um, thank you for correcting me. I feel like Taylor is like everywhere lately and his production style is like really setting a tone in hardcore right now. Uh what's working with Taylor like and what does he bring to the table? I mean, Taylor is just the best. I mean, hands down, I mean you're not gonna find um, you know. To, to my tastes, you're not going to find a better person to work with in in um, uh, in aggressive music in 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 rock music. You know, I really would love to see the things that that Taylor and I are doing now pave way to him doing bigger rock records because you know the way he makes a drum sound, the way that he makes guitars sound. I mean, it's unparalleled. He, he has the best guitar tones in in the game, and and. I think most people would would acknowledge that creatively, you know, like Taylor is, is, you know, one of my best friends and he's someone who I was living with through most of the pandemic. My, my girlfriend was his roommate, you know, at the studio that we record all of our records at. So, you know, him and I would wake up every morning, have our coffee together and, and talk about like basically our goals for the day and then go out execute those goals come back at the end of the day and then we'd be like all right here's where i went wrong and here's where i succeeded you know and that um openness and and that desire and that obsession with music i think that's that's really the the big uniting force is just that we're both obsessed with music and of uh you know i think taylor's much more focused towards aggressive music where i'm much more of a scattered shot but that combination of like because I have the scatter shot and he has the the really aggressive lens, we come together and we can make something really, really unique together. Um, and you know, like with that, you know, he's his opinions are totally different than mine in a lot of places. So he's going to push something somewhere that I wouldn't go necessarily, or that I might shy away from. And um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's been awesome growing together as 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 creative people and as collaborators. And um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a relationship that's been developing for quite some time. And I think the, the, the down period of the pandemic really led towards something amazing. You know, I, uh, Re- Regional Justice Center recorded the Regional Jurdis Center and the KKK Tattoo single with Taylor. And uh, the session was just me and Taylor. And that was it. I, I recorded all the instruments and and then when I'm, when I'm my way and he shot me a text and he's like, Hey, like that session's going to be really hard 
to beat for me. And I wasn't planning on going to him for crime and punishment. I thought that I was going to go somewhere else. And basically he was like, you know, if there's anything uh, I could do, like I really would like to, to keep making records together. And, and, and I hadn't considered it at that point. And then him texting me just made me be like, fuck it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's keep working together. And then again, like military gun, it was a thing where originally I was like, yeah, I'm going to probably try and record this with X or Y. And then Taylor kind of was like, well, why don't I do it? And then we did it together. And, you know, I think that the record and the trajectory of the band would have been completely different had he not uh, been the person uh, doing the project with me. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a incredibly important relationship and, and collaboration to me. And I, we're going to do a lot more records together, uh, co-producing, and we're going to do a lot more records together with, you know, him doing it for my own bands. That's awesome. Yeah, I like what you said about like you were like, oh, I hope, you know, he can work on like bigger rock bands or something. I always have these like, you know, music nerd fantasies of like, like, oh, what if like Blink-182 did their new record with Will Yip or like something like that? Like, I'd love to hear like huge bands that like at one point came from this world working with like today's young, like cutting edge, you know, engineers and producers and see what it would sound like. Yeah, I mean Taylor's getting there now. Like he he just produced the new Suicide Silence record. Obviously, that's ultra aggressive, not not like a, a big rock band or something. But we're seeing this broader uh, awareness of his greatness um, throughout music at large. And I think you know he did our new LP, and um, hopefully that that also brings in some some new people and. Um, I think it's going to happen, you know, and, and I, I'll, I'll force it to happen if it doesn't happen naturally. <laughs> <laughs> well, Taylor sounds like he's really convincing. Yeah. I, I mean, he's just great. When, when someone it's again, the, the, the real shit detector, you know, of like, uh, you know, you sense out someone who's real and, and really great at what they do. And you just be like, all right, I need to aid this in every single way that I can. Um, and that's the goal, you know, like I would, I would love to hear Taylor do like a ghost record or something like just a massive fucking rock metal. Cause I like twitching tongues. I think if it came out in a different era could be one of these mainstream, like huge theater, like arena bands like that. That's how good that band was. Um, it just was released in a time where people were still shaking off the traditionalism. So it was like, butted up against as much as it was loved at the time and now those tides have changed um and that's that's the that's what everything we're talking about in this current moment if you want to talk about people who are creatively murdering everyone at the time because they were looking forward and bringing new influence into hardcore the young brothers are that you know like they're they're the epitome of that yeah totally well, Ian, it's been a really blast chatting. Uh, is there anything you want to add before we go? Uh, no. I mean, I, I really appreciate this. I I, uh, I hope everyone listens to all of the the things that I talked that we talked about today. You know, um, MS Paint, Daisy, Public Opinion, Pony, Twitching Tongues. Uh, today is is an amazing day for music. It, uh, it's currently um, Friday, October twenty eighth, and Show Me the Body just released. Trouble the Water. Uh, the Young Brothers just launched the LP for their new band, Dead Body, and Daisy released their debut LP, Out of Body. And, you know, like three incredible bands that, that I love, and I, and I hope that um, everyone checks out their records. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ian. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks again so much to Ian. If you have not checked out Regional Justice Center or Military Guns Music, I cannot recommend doing that enough. The new Military Gun release on Loma Vista, All Roads Lead to the Gun. It's very good. Check it out. If you can catch them on tour, do it. Their live show is awesome. Just this band rules. And please go listen to them. Thanks again. Uh, see you next time.